Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Let's talk about marijuana, the devil's lettuce. This topic is so interesting to me, even today, with all we know about its health benefits. I was talking with my buddy William one night about this, and the longer the conversation went, I kept thinking this should be an episode on the Bad Roman Podcast. Today, William, Scott, Aaron, and Jim join me to discuss this very topic. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching right, orders, man. Left, right, left, right. We'd rather left, serve God than right, serve Caesar, you know me? Right. I'm yeah. just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live what he said. Scott, let's start with you. How are you doing, my friend? This you're not new to the Bad Roman podcast, and I'm happy to have you back on today. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm just enjoying the summer as much as I can and working away and, yeah, just everyday life. Good. We haven't got to talk in, uh, in a little bit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with, with, with marijuana and how you kind of got into it, and then we'll go from there and we'll go to William and, and talk with him. I guess I first have to go back to my childhood. Uh, just This just popped in my head, but like my first experiences with marijuana were not very good. Um, my mother and my stepdad at the time, like, that's about all they did when I was around f- about five years old. And my stepdad thought it would be like a funny thing to get me and my brother high and kind of laugh at us. Um, so I had some negativity towards marijuana as a child, but then I hit high school <laughs> and that all changed. And then through high school, I smoked. And then around the age of 21, I gave my life to Christ and I gave up everything. Um, and then marijuana came back into my life around the age of 35. And during that time span i was really like oh weed just makes people lazy because all it did was make me lazy you know i kind of just you know, used that and then a friend of mine had asked me he's like well do you know people who smoke weed that are like more successful and more productive than you are in life but i'm like actually i do <laughs> and so it kind of started the ball rolling towards looking at it a little bit more closely and it was also during the economic crash of 2008 and that same friend was um telling me that hey like it's medically legal right now and like to supplement our income we could actually grow this and receive donations for it because you can't sell it that would be illegal but if somebody gave you a donation that was legitimate um and (laughs) so that is what started me to look at it again and then once i started watching some documentaries i believe they were on netflix one of them um, i think you're going to mention later it really started like making me think what else is the government lying about and that kind of also started my move back to anarchism it was marijuana and the, that you were being lied to about it yeah interesting and that i was being lied to yeah and it was just more of like what and then from there i started watching a ton of documentaries about other subjects and we're like oh my initial thought as a kid that the government was not straight up honest <laughs> is coming back to remind me again <laughs> <laughs> and i'll just say life is using marijuana to teach me that lesson <laughs> All right, William, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself that you're new to the show and, and then tell us a little bit about your experience with marijuana. So I'm 40 years old, husband and father. I am a Christian. I walk with the Lord. I'm not perfect. So um, first time I was introduced to a functional use of marijuana was, I believe it was about 31 or 32. Um, I did not grow up around it. I was raised in church. You know, I was always told it was 
evil, the devil's lettuce, no redeeming quality whatsoever. And of course, you know, weed makes you lazy, weed makes you stupid. Um, the problem is, is that I'd been dealing with pretty terrible anxiety since I was a child, uh, different life events, abuse, just a lot of factors going on there. Yeah, it was a perfect storm. And then um, started dealing with uh, melancholic depression. Didn't even know what it was when I was 14 years old. I mean, it was just months of not being able to see the sunshine emotionally speaking and mentally speaking. And, um, you know, I, I struggled through all that, you know, trying the best I could just, I mean, I got rid of all my guns. That's how bad it was. Um, and I divorced, remarried. I'm 31. I'm working as an EMT. I'm sitting in my, my living room with some friends we had coming down from Arkansas. Um, and he brought weed. He actually smuggled it in a peanut butter jar <laughs> and it's stuffed in the sandwich bag and everything. And I lit it for the first time and I was, I was having about a six month period of a melancholic depression and it was hard for me to come out, man. I was drinking like crazy. I would, I would start my time off when I got home with nine shots of vodka and a 32 ounce glass, top of the off with OJ and chug it and sit on my couch and cry. Okay. Or, you know, just anything to, to deal with what I was dealing with. And man, I smoked and all of a sudden it lifted and I got up and I cleaned my kitchen. You know, it, it didn't make me want to go hurt anybody or, or, or hit my wife or, or do anything sexually immoral. I, I was with it. I, I wasn't pulled one side or the other. It just allowed me to be. And that started my journey with that. Yeah, see, I remember back in the day when I was younger, I when I was younger, we did a lot of things that we shouldn't have been doing. But I don't think marijuana was one of the th bad things we were doing. Because to me, it was just a plant at the time. Well, I was young. And then I, well, the older I got, then I was like, oh, maybe this stuff is bad and we shouldn't be participating. And, you know, and I, I was one that one of those in Arkansas that voted against uh, uh, the medical marijuana. You know, it, but then, you know, it wasn't long after that. I was like, that's ridiculous. This is stupid. It's a plant. Why am I? But I but I always felt like it made me lazy, too. We were mixing it with a lot of alcohol. <laughs> so we were smoking a lot of weed and drinking a lot of alcohol in our 20s. And then it was just uh, maybe that's what was making me lazy. Now, you know, back then when I could, we would smoke some pot, I was the type of person. If you just gave me a bag of Cheetos in the History Channel, I was good for the rest of the night. And I didn't want to do anything else. And then once I started coming down, I just wanted to go to sleep. But I've noticed now, and I've, and I've talked to my brother, he he says he can get up. You said you got up and clean the kitchen. He says he can get up and clean the entire house on the stuff. Yeah. Uh, maybe it just depends on how you're using it. If you want to use it to relax, if you want to use it to, uh, to I, I don't know. But, but I think it affects every person differently. But I think it, it affects each person differently depending on what's going on with that person at the time, too. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And uh, you keep on saying lazy. And is it laziness or is it basically getting your mind and body connected in such a way to where they were able to communicate and say, you know what, you need to refocus your priorities. We're going to shut you down and force you to deal with some of this stuff that you've been avoiding so you can heal and speed up and accomplish things. Sometimes I think we just need a redirect. And what this is, man, to me, it's like control delete on just the hellacious mess that's going on in your mind. Now, hey, God, God is my help. Okay. 
I, I, I don't doubt that. I don't deny that. But I believe that God created this for a reason. There's a reason why we have the cannabinoid system in our bodies, and they're teaching it in nursing school now. There is a connection there. And I can't understand why people don't understand that a God who created us in an intelligent way, okay, in our bodies to react to certain things in his creation, why all of a sudden is verboten in everything? It just doesn't make sense to me. I came from a medical background. I was an EMT for five years. I, I, I got out of nursing school. I've always had a heart to help people. And the thing is, is that I've been able to help people the way I need to be able to help people because I need help first myself. And this has allowed me to do that. This has allowed me to heal. It's been able to reconcile relationships with, with my wife, with my daughter, and also with my creator, I believe, you know, because I'm able to see him for who he is because I'm able to shut out all the noises that distract me, all the things that try to get my attention and speak lies. And that's where I'm coming from with this, you know. I, and I appreciate what you just said because I had a, I had some friends stop through over the last night, stayed the night with me. We were talking about this a little bit, and and I told her, I told one of them, I said, you know, I said if I if I use like a Delta Eight or something, I said it slows me down, but it doesn't like slow me down to where I don't want to do anything. Like I was up busy doing stuff, but it slows my mind down. And she goes, "Are you the type of person where your mind is constantly racing?" I said. Yes. And I said, I said, you'll catch me at work sometimes. I'm, I'm by myself a lot when, I, when I'm at work. And it looks like I, I mean, maybe I'm talking to myself, but I've got a lot of stuff going on in my brain at once. And I'm maybe I'm talking out loud to myself, but I'm not actually answering any of my questions. I say that's when you're actually crazy, I guess. But but if I'm talking out loud, because it, it, I've had people come up and are you talking to yourself? I was like, yeah, maybe, but I didn't think anybody was watching, you know? Yes, same here. But that's just because my mind is just constantly running about thinking about things. And this that just kind of just slows me down a little bit to where I'm just like, I can relax. It takes the edge off. It takes the edge off. Like with alcohol and stuff, they say that takes the edge off. I don't believe so anymore. I think that adds to the edge. Yeah, yeah. To me, marijuana or hemp does not add to the edge. I think it takes the edge off and you're able to kind of just relax and I think that's a good thing. And I, you know, we'll get into this during the sh- along as far as the long or as the show goes on. But I think that we'll find that people aren't necessarily using it just to get high. There's a multitude of reasons why people are take part in marijuana, and and it's not just to get high. And you, know, we're going to have Christians that when they listen to this, that may not be on board, are going to say things like well, you shouldn't alter your mind that way. And I want to get into that as the show goes on as well. But I don't know that, I don't know, I don't see it as a bad thing anymore. I used to. Now, let's move on to uh, Jim, who is on the show for the first time. He can tell us a little bit about himself and his experience with marijuana. Yeah, so um, I grew up in a really small town, really rural area in uh, the northern part of the lower peninsula of Michigan, just in the middle of the woods. The town where the post office was had one blinking light lots of state land. And a lot of people I realized um, moved up there. You know, there's a good portion of people moved up there because they didn't like the government. They wanted to just, you know, have their own space and be left alone. And uh, when I was a kid, you know, I didn't really, when I was a boy in the 80s, I didn't really know anything about marijuana. You know, I I remember seeing a cartoon once when I was like eight, where, uh, you know, it was during the whole drug war with Nancy Reagan and whatever, where they had like Bugs Bunny on there and some kid went to take a 
hit from a joint in an alley. And Bugs Bunny's like, hey, uh, before you do that, this is your future if you take the hit of that joint. And he was like literally dying of a heroin overdose <laughs> in the sewer. <laughs> and so, you know, that was my in- impression at the time when I was a kid. I didn't know any better. You know, they were doing dare and everything back then. And the other thing that I noticed uh, when looking back was I remember I was staying at this house and I was told not to go upstairs. And at one point uh, I ended up upstairs anyway. And there was this plant in front of this big window. I didn't even pay any attention to the plant. There was this jug of miracle Crow right next to it. <laughs> and, I, and I remember asking the adults um, why they left the Kool-Aid out and if I could have some. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was basically, you know, when it started, but then I remember when I realized at some point when I was like um, in fifth or sixth grade that uh, that there was this adult that I knew that I cared about who uh, used marijuana, and I had to ask my mom about it, and I was terrified because of that whole Bugs Bunny cartoon. Then I realized a few years later, oh, like one in three adults is doing this, and they just never talk about it. And then I remember, actually, it was when I was a teenager, it was easier to get marijuana than it was to get alcohol for me because I didn't know a lot of older kids. So they wouldn't like be able to buy beer for me or whatever. But the kids my age, because it was illegal, the the dealers didn't care how old you were. (laughs) So, and then, um, you know, I didn't do it a whole lot, but I remember when I, I got my first real job, I had a mentor and then I went off to college. And then when I came back, I, I was hanging out with him and he, he had all of a sudden discovered marijuana. He was like 30 years old. And uh, he was like, do you smoke pot? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, wow, it's like a secret society, isn't it? <laughs> and the other thing that I noticed too was when I was a kid, there was all these helicopters flying around my town. And, you know, part of that probably was the Michigan militia. They were keeping an eye on them. But also people grew marijuana on state land. And so they were always looking for plants. And it's part of the big drug war. And the funny thing was that, um, that, uh, you know, it would, we, there would be dry spells where people couldn't get uh, marijuana. And when they did, it was this terrible Mexican brown brick commercial weed, except for during harvest season. And then the quality of the marijuana got like five times better. <laughs> so that was really, uh, you know, kind of my experience was just, you know, that, uh, I don't know. You know, it was it was funny because there was a lot of people you'd you'd hear, you know, at a certain point, even though like my my mom was always one of those people who never got drunk, but she'd like have she'd actually have one small glass of wine every day. So there wasn't really a lot of um, I wasn't exposed to a a lot of that. But then I just um, I actually ended up having a drinking problem. Um, And, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I experimented with a bunch of things. But the only thing that really got me was uh, was alcohol. And, um, it was, you know, there's like this, this whole problem that I had where it was like, I would be depressed because I drank and I drink because I was depressed. And then too, if I had a small amount of alcohol, there'd be like a switch that would flip in my head, even if I hadn't drank in months where I just, I had to get messed up one last time, you know, like, but I never really had that problem with, with, uh, cannabis. And then, you know, one of the things when I quit alcohol was I wanted to make sure that I didn't use cannabis to get over alcohol because I personally had this intuition that if I substituted it, if I didn't go through, you know, um, the difficulties of quitting alcohol, that I would start to 
um, associate my addiction with alcohol with cannabis. And um, yeah, I've never, you know, the big thing was alcohol made my life unmanageable. I was miserable. I'm really surprised that I was, that I, you know, was able to keep a job, but you know, it was just barely, um, you know, it, it, like you go to work and people would smell alcohol on you, even though you hadn't drank since the night before. Uh, but you know, I never really had that issue. Like I, I quit for periods of time. I might quit right now because I'm not sure um, about a job. I know I talked to you about uh, maybe quitting for a job um, if I moved to Tennessee. You know, and, and one of the things you were just talking to William about, which is interesting to me, is, you know, I feel like some people, you know, they really do have that takes the edge off. Like my mom, when she has a glass of wine, it takes the edge off. Right. And for me, it's the same thing with cannabis. It's just I just have to make sure that I don't get you know, too used to having it. Like I'll, 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 I was smoking when, when, when I was working at a job that they didn't have a problem with it here in Michigan because it is technically legal here, but it's weird the way it works with jobs, but I'll smoke it before I wash dishes and then I stop using it. And then I go to wash dishes. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I gotta do this sober. But yeah. <laughs> so that's just kind of the rundown with me. And yeah, I've, it, it's, it's strange to me that at this point in time, how, and we talked about this a little, or you were talking about a little bit before we started recording. They ought to be able to do be able to do a test where you can they can tell if you're actually high at that moment. Because if you if people are, are are using marijuana and then they go to work and they can get lose their job over a piss test or something because of it, but they might not even be high. Maybe they just smoke some marijuana on the weekend and they're back to work on Monday. You know, I think it's silly. I think I think the whole thing is silly at this at this point. I don't I don't get it. Oh, the the testing they do have that here in Washington State for. Like if a police officer thinks you're um, high on weed while driving, it tests you for the amount that like causes you to get high within your blood. But like it doesn't just say, okay, this guy has a marijuana in the system. So that can last, you know, months, you know, depending on your, um, I think it's your BMI, body mass index, I think is how long it can stay in your system. But anyways. And that's why I wanted to have the conversation because I don't, I don't know many other Christian podcasts that talk about this. And if they do, I don't know if they're going to get into it. Like we're going to get into it today because I think we all have a different perspective of what's going on with this compared to what I was used to growing up in the church, that it was the devil's lettuce, you know, and it was the, you know, it was the thing that could lead to so many other bad things in your life. And when you, when you just get right down to it, it's just a dang plant. That's all it is. And as far as I know, God gave us all the plants, you know, so We'll see. I mean, I just don't think it's as big a deal as a lot of people want to make it out to be. And I think a lot of people are actually waking up to it. We're seeing it across the board. It seems like I'm living in Tennessee. They haven't quite got on board with any of it. They just shot down a law. They were trying to pass medical marijuana in Tennessee and Tennessee legislator uh, shot it down. So um, let's go ahead and get Aaron uh, introduced on here. And then um, we will go back to Scott. Aaron, this is your first time on the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with uh, with marijuana? All right. Uh, well, um, I really didn't have anything to do with it growing up. I was a, a good church kid, and my mom was the, the church choir director, and I was a, in the youth group and then a youth leader, and it literally just really never came up. Um, and in in my adult life, it, it didn't really come up either until I injured my back at a job and I pretty much did everything that the doctors can can do for somebody that injures their back. I had 
you know, injections to start. And I was on all the drugs for the, the entire period, but injections and physical therapy and multiple kinds of surgery to, to fix my back. And, you know, after, after, I don't know, four or five years, they decided that surgeries weren't going to fix it anymore. You know, they're just going to keep writing pain pills for me. And uh, when a doctor does that and they've kind of resigned that you're going to be on it the rest of your life, they add, you know, medicines for your stomach because the pain pills tear up your stomach and they give you antidepressants because you're in constant pain. So of course you're depressed about that. And they just, they layer it on. I was on like 12 different pills a day for, for a decade for a sore back. It was right around, uh, I want to say 2001. I mean, I was home on all this pharmaceutical medication. Most of my day consisted of watching like uh, the learning channel and uh, history channel and stuff like that on TV. You can't really move around much when you're in pain. But uh, I think it was maybe National Geographic. I don't remember which channel it was at the time, but they were doing this whole thing about weed. They they had like a weed wars show where they were showing like, I think it was, you know, the different guys out in California that were competing about it in the black market. And there was all kinds of shows, but there was one in particular where uh, there was a guy in California. Um, I think his name was Nathaniel Hawthorne, and he was giving CBD to pediatric epilepsy patients. And I was watching it, and I, I I might break down in tears again now, but I was just like, "Wait, there's a plant that can do this? Like, if it's if it's safe enough to, that he's giving it to a kid, it must be safe enough for me to try. I'm an adult that's already tried all these pharmaceuticals. So I I jokingly on Facebook, I I. I went on and I posted, Hey, does anybody have any weed? You know, and this was, I don't even know if medical was, was, was in Michigan yet, but uh, funny enough, one of my old church friends messaged me privately and said, were you serious, sir? Do you, do you need some weed? And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I need weed. And, and she, she drove over to my house and gave me a little baggie. And for the first time in like 12 years, I laid on my couch in absolutely no pain and I kind of just like floated there. I mean, it was an amazing experience. My first time at the age of like, I don't know, 32, 38, some, something like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, almost instantly like the next day, I think I went on the website and figured out how to get my medical card and uh, you know, tried to find a caregiver, but it, I, I just went full force into it and I had a disability settlement and I had a dispensary that I, I knew I could get medicine at. And so every month I would just take my disability settlement down there and buy my pain medicine. And it was wonderful. And then a, a couple of years into that, um, my, my, my disability settlement payments uh, ended. And there's, there really isn't any option when you uh, aren't working to have that kind of medicine on a daily basis unless you do it yourself. So around 20... 13, I think I started growing my own in my backyard. And thankfully I was pain-free enough at that point that I could do that. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where it goes. And now at this point, I, uh, I have some patients of my own and in my own family and outside of my family. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I, I needed a high, a high dose for medical reasons. And at the time, and I, I don't even know what the, what the market is like right now, but at the time you couldn't you couldn't buy anything that was like really potent, like uh, 
when I was still having to buy my medicine, there, there were different extracts coming out that were made with solvents. Um, they were really sketchy. The, the people making them were kind of sketchy and the way they were made was a little sketchy. And I got turned on to, I, I was already doing organic stuff for my, my own health um, in my diet. And uh, so I got turned on to this, this process called bubble hash making, um, where you can make these, these high, high potency extracts. And it's a mechanical process. There's no chemicals involved. Uh, you use ice water and it breaks the, the trichomes off the plant and they sink. It's, it's as simple as that. So um, that's what I've done since about 2013. I've, I've grown all my own medicine and taken on some patients. And yeah, that's where I'm at now. Now, are you, are you, uh, that's fantastic. Are you um, off of all the pharmaceutical drugs now since you started that, or are you still having to take any of those? Yeah, that, I mean, that was almost an immediate thing. Um, that the ending of my pharmaceutical story was that while I was on all these drugs, my, you know, I, I had to go see my doctor every month because they, they have to do that to prescribe them to you. And, uh, and he finally just said, I can't keep, you know, these are legitimately tearing up your stomach and stuff. So, um, you need to, you need to go to this class of mine to find out about an implanted morphine pump. Good grief. And, and we're going to implant that in your body and it'll just give you regular doses. I can control it with my cell phone when you come in every month and, you know, we can refill it. And man, I went to one appointment <laughs> and I was like, there is no way you are putting a pump in me. And I had already, I had already had my little puff from my, my church friend at that point. And I was just like, there is no way I'm doing this. And he was just, he, he didn't have to end it, but he kind of said, all right, well, if you don't want to do that, there's nothing else I can really do for you. They just want to put more drugs in you. Yeah. At the time I, I told him I wanted off the drugs. And so he, he made me detox from them in probably about the nastiest way possible that a, a doctor could do. Made me go through the withdrawal for a whole weekend before giving me the drugs that stopped the withdrawal. So yeah, that was a pretty hellish experience. But then I was off of them and I had cannabis and I was still on a couple of them and like uh, the antidepressants and stuff like that. And I just kind of over the next year or two, I weaned myself off everything because I had access to, you know, a pretty good supply of cannabis with my disability funds. And yeah, I, I weaned off all the pharmaceuticals. Um, I did improve my diet. Uh, dramatically as well. So that did play a part in my health. And as soon as the pain relief was there on a regular basis, I could get outside and start moving more and exercise and build my muscles back up. So that all that all increases your health as opposed to the pharmaceuticals, which just kind of numb your pain and you want to sit on the couch all the time. I don't remember who told me this one time. And I want to say it was a doctor. It was a doctor or a nurse. And I was, we was talking about pain medicine and they told me they said that's it's not really doing anything to heal you. It's just tricking your brain, is all it's doing. And so that's I was like, and when she told me that, I was like, that is wild. And y'all just keep giving it to everybody. And this is way before you know what we saw with the COVID stuff and how the medical industry went crazy with that stuff. You know, I I remember saying something to somebody one time during all the, when they were forcing the vaccines and stuff, I said not to get off on COVID during the show, but I remember saying something, I was like, I don't trust them anymore. Like I used to go to the doctor's office and just trust them, you know, blindly, but like they knew what was best for me. They said, take this pill. So I'd take this pill. Didn't think anything else of it. But with all that COVID stuff, man, I, I remember making a post about it on Facebook too. And the, the amount of people on my Facebook that, you know, y'all kind of running the same mindset that we do anyway, 
were like, yeah, I haven't trusted the medical <laughs> industry in years. What took you so long? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe it took the vaccine, the COVID vaccine to wake me up to what was going on, you know. But I just, I when I go to, I go twice a year for my regular checkup. One is for work to keep my insurance, at a, you know, at a reasonable rate and stuff. And the other one's because they had me come back in six months just for another checkup. But I'm always going in there skeptical. You know, like this last time I went in because, and I told her about my shoulder and then she sent me to an orthopedist and they got my shoulder hooked up. I'm good with, good with that now, but I just don't trust them anymore. And then, and I hate that it sucks that you can't go to the doctor and not trust your doctor. It's the same way when you go to the church and you can't trust your pastor to me, you ought to be able to trust your pastor and your doctor, in my opinion, and your mother, <laughs> you know, so just stuff like that. But then you lose a lot of trust in this stuff and, I lost a lot of trust in the medical industry. And to hear your story, it sounds like they were just pumping you full of pills. And when he said he wanted to put a morphine pump in your body, you're like, no, I'm not doing that. It's just like that's their only answer to it is a pump is full of drugs. They're not really scientists. They're drug dealers. That's what they are. Yeah, I mean, people that are are the doctors now were trained at medical schools that were designed by the American Medical Association that is Rockefeller, the same guy that the same guy that got cannabis made illegal to begin with. You know, they they all play a part in this and you know, it's it's not that people join the medical profession these days to to scam people or to sell them drugs. I think most people get into it because they legitimately want to help people. But when 100% of the training for, for doctors in America is through the schools that want them to sell the pharmaceuticals, right. that's, what they're, that's all they know. So when you go to them with any problem, they want to give you the, the Band-Aid for the, the problem and not find the root cause. Scott, you had a question. You, had, you wanted to say something all ago. Go ahead. Um, I think it was when you were talking about the church basically demonizing marijuana and of course you know we can look at where they got that from was from the government it was never you know anything really in in christian culture that made it illegal however like as humans what we do have is the um the pattern of witch hunting like now it's more of a psychological term than like the reality of what it was in the early americas where we found we looked for something to pin all our wrongs on and cast it away. That's it's really related to scapegoating in the Bible. So you can convince people the goat is evil or that this person's a witch. That's kind of what they did with marijuana. You can look at the psychological pattern and that's how I'll say even I was deceived that it was a bad thing instead of being educated and seeing that, Hey, there's all this use for this plant whether it be the cannabis or the hemp, which I think they're cousins, so maybe they both follow on their cannabis. I'm not that educated, I guess, on it. But there's so many uses, and they were used for a lot of our human history, let alone our American history. And then somebody finally witch hunts it and scapegoats all our problems onto it and makes it something that is not within our um, toolbox of uh, humans to use for our benefit. I don't know if I if I learned about it in church. I do remember back, well, like I said, I was talking about earlier in my early 20s when we were partying all the time. We were young. It was my first time out of the house. I moved out of my house when I was 18 years old, got an apartment with my buddy, and basically our apartment turned into just traffic. 
I mean, I was waking up <laughs> with people late sleep on the floor. I had no idea who they were. And I'm sure everybody here has had those experiences, you know, but I do remember if we were smoking weed, everybody was chilled out. It was chill, but we were drinking at the same time, but maybe marijuana was an equalizer. Now, if we were all just drunk, there's liable to be a fight. I've never one time seen somebody smoking weed and then started a fist fight or abuse their spouse or their children. You know what I'm saying? And people that smoke pot on a regular basis, I don't, they don't miss work on a regular basis. People that drink alcohol on a regular basis, drink, miss a lot of work, you know, and, but back then there was always that stigma and we'll get into the stigma here in a little bit about marijuana and it was illegal, but, but alcohol was not. And the, the older I've gotten, I think it should be reversed. If they're going to make something illegal, they probably ought to do the alcohol and let, let us have the plant and people be a lot more peaceful in my opinion. But that's not me advocating for alcohol laws either. I'm just saying it just seems to me, and I've, I've thought this for a long time, that alcohol is way more dangerous than, than marijuana ever thought about being. And it's just so strange to me that people can take that and and use it to to scare people. Do y'all remember the commercial, um, this is your brain on drugs, the, the fried egg? Y'all remember that garbage? I wish they would show that stuff today so everybody could just laugh them off of the TV because it's completely ridiculous. Anyway, Jim, you had something to say. So, you know, I, and I understand why, I definitely understand why you said that, Craig, about, you know, alcohol being more dangerous. But of course, you know, nothing should be illegal because it has the exact opposite effect that we expect it to be. You look at the prohibition of alcohol, right? And and you talk about the culture too. You know that the the cultures that were more dominant, that had more power back then, were rejecting. They they were using alcohol even though it was illegal. And then the other part was that um, people who drank, you know, they would go to speakeasies or to sheds or whatever to drink moonshine, and then all of a sudden there'd be other illegal activities entangled with their alcohol use and you see the same thing with the prohibition of cannabis so then you know when i was younger i usually got my cannabis secondhand from people because drug dealers didn't trust me <laughs> but you know when you the common thing was when you went to a dealer they would expect you to match them a joint right so you drive over to their place and you'd get marijuana from them they'd expect you to smoke one joint with them and then they'd smoke one joint with you. And then you were supposed to drive home, you know? So now that it's legal though, you go to a place, obviously you're not going to do it there. You can be sober as a nun, go home and enjoy it responsibly. And then you talk about like the gang activity with alcohol during prohibition of alcohol. It's the same thing with the gang activity with cannabis, you know? So it's like, as soon as you try to make, as soon as you try to enforce something, you're creating a black market and it's and it's causing more trouble. And then, like I said, you know, when I was a teenager, it was easier for me to get cannabis because it was from a dealer than it was for me to get alcohol because it was so easy for adults to enjoy alcohol responsibly if they chose to that, you know, nobody was selling black market moonshine to teenagers, you know, and so but at the same time, you know, the, the, the kid who dropped out of high school, I could get marijuana from him. You know, that was the big thing. So it's that's always the temptation, right? Like, you know, we, we, we only have one father as Christians. You know, we only you know, that's what Jesus taught us. Right. But we always try to turn these policy enforcers, you know, into these father figures where it's like, no, we need to make something illegal to protect the children. But always like backfires. 
and it, it just causes more problems. Well, the war on drugs is a is a prime example of that. I mean, if there wasn't a war on drugs, I don't think we'd be having near the issues with fentanyl that we're having right now. I mean, the the, the government and it's everything they touch, they screw up. And if they, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't believe that their war on drugs was a benefit or was for our benefit. Like they're trying to protect us somehow. I don't believe that whatsoever. I think it was all about power and control and another revenue source to lock people up. I read something the other day that 86% of the people in our in American prisons today are in there for victimless crimes. And the vast majority of them are in there for marijuana. Marijuana. And because they, they won't get off these stupid laws about marijuana. And it's so, you know, now that you're seeing it become more legal, you know, legal, I hate using that word too, but these people are still in prison. I mean, if someone got life sentences for having some marijuana back in when, when they started the war on drug stuff, that's a waste. You're wasting people's lives over a plant. And it, it, it infuriates me. Scott, go ahead. I was going to say we've touched on it kind of before and during the program and probably will touch on it even after, but it keeps coming up that it's about control. And that's that's the reality of it. By making it illegal, it causes problems. And it, it, in a sense, gets out of their control. And I see that as like to their own detriment, you know, by them removing it from society has caused a lot of the problems that we have, especially like with uh, having the highest population of prisoners in the world in a free country. Um, They're creating the issues. Yeah, actually, that's excellent, too, because it's an excellent point. I mean, if... (laughs) I would like to see just just like a six month period where the government just stopped enforcing any of these laws, let everybody out of prison that was in there for marijuana, and let's see what would happen if ever if it was all if it was legal for six months. Let's see what happened. I think crime rates would go down for one. I think drug use would probably go down. When you start forcing people into prison for something like this, it's the same thing with like the COVID vaccine. I keep bringing it up, but if you'd have left people alone, they might have got the shots more. They probably would have done it without you trying to force them to do it. And you would have been more productive in getting your your shots producing people. But the fact that they were trying to force it, and it's the same thing with this, with the force and the control of the marijuana, it's causing people to do more things. And I'm not advocating, I don't want people going out there shooting up heroin. But if you want to do that and you can do it without harming other people, that's your business. I don't recommend it. I don't have a problem with anybody smoking marijuana. I don't I don't see the issue with it anymore. And I, and I, and I don't like the the modern day Pharisee type Christians who come out and say, well, you're altering your mind. And I want to get into that in a second after, after William says what he has to say, go ahead, William. I, I got permission from my buddy to, to mention his name, talking about people being incarcerated. He just got an uncle that got out of jail. I think he was in there at least like 15 years. I think it was for just like possession, man. They just throw the book at this guy. And he's, he's told me about different details about the case. And I'm absolutely horrified. And just seeing he just got out of prison out of being there 15 years. And it's like just seeing them unite around this guy. And my heart goes out to him. It's like, man, let's help reintegrate this guy and get him plugged back into life again. And what you're talking about forcing, backing people up in a corner and forcing them to, to do things that could get them in trouble. My wife was anorexic, you know, growing up. And because of that, her teeth demineralized. We weren't meth heads or anything, but when her teeth started breaking apart at a pretty young age, after we were married, just with scrambled eggs, we're talking just incredible pain, 
her teeth were falling out. It was absolutely horrific. She used to have a beautiful smile. And I watched my wife go through that. And the thing is, we went to the dentist and they said, well, we got to, you got to pay all this money to, to get care and we're not going to give you any pain medication. It made us look like drug users. Go to the ER. They definitely wouldn't do anything. And here I am an EMT and, and I'm working all these crazy hours for everybody else's BS. And I can't even take care of the woman I love most in the world. Yeah, you better believe I chose my wife over chose, choosing to follow the law. Yeah, I did things to get what I needed so she could have pain relief. I could do no less and see myself as a man. You know, and it shouldn't be that way. You know, I, I shouldn't have to go, for legal reasons, this is a joke. I shouldn't have to go on the dark net, learn how to transfer Bitcoin use tails to cover my tracks and, and, and buy weed pens. You know, this has been years back we'll buy weed pens because I don't trust anybody else to ask the question of, Hey, where can I get some help with this? You know, she was allergic to narcotics. Like she, she can't have like the heavy pain meds, you know, they, they expected her to be asking for hydrocodone and all this kind of mess. It's just like, no, I can't take that. I need something like tramadol or something like that. You know, and that still made her look suspicious. And yeah, it's a wake up call to, to people. What are you going to do to take care of your family? You know, are you going to allow the government to tell you that you, you have someone suffering with anxiety, suffering from PTSD, things like that. You know, I, I watched my wife just go through horrible anxiety attacks, PTSD attacks, disassociative uh, attacks to where she wouldn't even remember who I was. She'd be flashing back. I watched her suffer. We were dry. I had old bong, right? And the, I, I, I'm going to give the credit to God. I know who told me who to do it. It was the Lord told me to do this. He said, go scrape the resin off of that bong, roll her up into a cigarette and let her smoke it. And I was on... I was in St. Joseph, Louisiana. I don't mind telling you where I was at. We were going through all kinds of craziness, man. Both me and my wife were just out of our minds with anxiety, not knowing where our life was going and everything. Just the whole world had just blown up. And she had had a, a three-day anxiety attack. No joke. She's sitting out on this. And I got the video of this as proof. She's sitting out on her swing. And I went and scraped the resin off of that bong and mixed it up with an old cigarette and rolled it up, and I let her smoke it. And I kid you not, God, as my witness, within a less than a minute, she was snapped out of it. She started weeping. She's like come to herself. She had instant relief. I didn't give the glory to a plant. I didn't give the glory to the devil. I give the glory to the creator of heaven and earth who spoke it into existence on the third day of creation and called it good. That's where I stand. William is a preacher. Preach, my brother. Listen to this guy go. That was good. That was good. Um, I want uh, Jim and, and Aaron to touch on this a little bit, too. And then I want to go into like the stigma. And then I think after the stigma, we're going to talk about the, uh, the what I mentioned a while ago, like your modern day Pharisee type Christians, how I want y'all to answer each of y'all to give them an answer when they're like, that you're just doing it to alter your mind. Okay, but we'll get into that in a second. Aaron? No, I would just have to say that, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with William that, you know, when I realized that this was, it is, it is a plant. That's, that's what we're, we're using in our, in our world to, uh, 
to do this healing, but it's, it's God that put that plant there for us. And it's, it's all by his design. So yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Hey folks, we have set up a very simple way to donate to the Bad Rubber Project through spotfund.com. Just go to SpotFund and search No King But Christ. This has become necessary to continue to provide a quality podcast and keep production costs down as well. Just five or ten bucks a month will go a long way in helping us keep this project going and continue spreading the very basic message of No King But Christ. So if you like what we were doing and can find it within your budget, go to SpotFund.com and search No King But Christ and you can set up monthly donations or even donate one time. Any and all donations help more than you know And as always, any donations above production costs will go directly to charities in Memphis, Tennessee. Thank y'all so much. Now back to the show. I want to touch, um, I told y'all about this uh, film that was made back in 1936, and y'all are aware of it. It's called Reefer Madness. And my friends who stopped by last night, and I told them we were going to be doing this podcast today, she mentioned this film to me. I I was aware of the name, but I'd never sat and watched it. I watched, watched like the first 30 seconds of this film and was cracking up because just the fear mongering behind this in 1936 was hilarious to me, the way they were describing it. Well, they've got a there's an opening scroll like when you watch like uh, Star Wars and you see the words going across the screen, you're reading all that as it's going. It's kind of the same thing with this, but it's not like at a slant. It's just a it's called an opening scroll. And I'm going to read. Maybe I'll read it all to you, but it's um, it starts out the motion picture you are about to witness may startle you. It would not have been possible otherwise to sufficiently emphasize the frightful toll of the new drug menace, which is destroying the youth of America in alarmingly increasing numbers. Marijuana is that drug, a violent narcotic, an unspeakable scourge, the real public enemy number one. Its first effect is sudden, violent, uncontrollable laughter, (laughs) then dangerous hallucinations, space expands, time slows down, almost stands still, fixed ideas come next. Conjuring, conjuring up monstrous extravagances, extravagances, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, followed by emotional disturbances, the total inability to direct thoughts, the loss of all power to resist physical emotions, leading finally to acts of shocking violence, ending often in incurable insanity. In picturing its soul-destroying effects, no attempt was made to equivocate. The scenes and incidents, while fictionized, for the purposes of this story are based upon actual research into the results of marijuana addiction. If their stark reality will make you think, will, you make, will make you aware that something must be done to wipe out this ghastly menace, then the picture will not have failed in its purpose because the dread marijuana may be reaching forth next for your son or daughter or yours or yours. And I started laughing during that, I barely made it through without laughing through it all. William, you have something to say. Go ahead. The only violence I feel right now is to like this pecan pie candy bar. <laughs> I'm going to do so much violence to this candy bar. But this thing right here, this 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 is 1936. And the way they were describing how it affects people, I've never seen anybody high on marijuana act like what they were just describing ever, ever in my life. And just and it, and I wonder how how much that infiltrated the church that that thought process has infiltrated the church back then, to get people to push them away from a plant and just the the whole the whole thing that was being said right there is just it's comical it doesn't even if anybody's thinking that way these days you you've just I don't I don't even know how to describe a person like that 
2023. It's not 1936. I mean, I know times were different back then, but the, the stuff they were putting out, they knew they were lying to you then. And there's still people that believe this. Anyway, Jim, you had something to say. There's that scene in Reefer Madness where the uh, girl eats the hot dog and it screams. And that was like the most traumatizing experience of her life. So hopefully, William, hopefully eating that pecan pie doesn't traumatize you. It's, a, it's one of those things where you watch it as like a normal person and you're like thinking to yourself, boy, I, I think you have other issues if you were traumatized by that hot dog. So the hot dog screamed at her. I haven't watched the whole film. Yeah, it's, it's just basically like don't smoke marijuana because you'll, you know, you might have this traumatizing psychedelic experience from eating a hot dog. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things where it's like that actually happened. You probably like look back at it the next day and be like, why was I having an anxiety attack? Maybe I should maybe I should take it easy when I'm hitting the bar tomorrow. If I saw a hot dog scream, I'd be like trying to sit there and help my hot dog work through its issues, man. I wouldn't like get mad at it or anything. I'm here to help, brother. What's wrong? You have a little anxiety? You missed the bond? I I get you. Here, here have a little mustard. This will help. <laughs> this is it's gonna hard for me to be serious after this. Um but I know we're gonna also talk about being sober minded. And like this kind of ties into it because I do not believe the Bible is telling us not to use substances because you do have a line from Paul to Timothy, like use a little bit of wine for your stomach. Um, There's some lines that Paul says about the the word is translated to witchcraft, but pharmaceutica or some kind of ancient Greek word, word that we still use for pharmacy and drugs today. I don't really think that's the, the physical wasn't the point. It was the 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 sober thinking, like be clear, um, not necessarily taking things to alter your mind, but be clear and like like think about the 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 mental practices Christ commanded us to not to be judgmental, not to be not to be in worry, um, and I'll just use those two because like fear that is the selling technique from human institutions such as government, and I'll even pick on the church. Uh, The church as a human institution promotes fear so it can control. To be of sober mind is to be free from the worry, free from judgment, so you can see what things really are. And we can see like when we're clearly removing worry and fear, has marijuana made the world a worse place? No. People would go on vacation to places like Jamaica just so they could enjoy it. You know, there's these steps that you can see, like when those things, when these things become a problem is when people are basically acting out of fear and worry. So the sober mindedness has to be around clear thinking and, and giving things our attention to, to actually see what the results are. And what we can see with each one of our lives is how marijuana has helped us in one way or another. Uh, Go ahead, William. So what I was going to say about sober-mindedness is that Jesus himself said that it's not what a man puts into his mouth, puts into his body, what defiles him, but it's what comes out. And here's my honest honest assessment of this, being being very knowledgeable of myself because of the hell I've been through, um, just mental and emotional issues, things like that. God really had to take me on a journey of self-discovery. I had to learn cause and effect, where all these things came from, what I was responsible for, what I was not responsible for. So I got to know myself. And uh, I'm a very introspective person as it is. This just takes it to a completely different level. 
And what I found is that when I do smoke or use gummy or tincture or whatever, that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What we have a problem is not a substance issue, it's a heart issue, okay? And what this does is that it allows things that we normally disassociate from or shut off or don't give voice to, it allows them to come up and out. And let me tell you something, if you have the love of Christ on the inside of your heart, oh my goodness, that's what's going to come out. It, uh, that's what I've seen in my experience. Craig, uh, this is, you know, you know, we've talked about some things before and everything like that. That time I reached out to you, dude, I, I, I had gummies on board. And man, I'm telling you, I felt the Holy Spirit, and it started inspiring me to write and reach out to you, brother, and everything. And you're not the only one that's happened to, man. I've got customers, man, to where I'm just able to flow and love to them and able to speak a word of encouragement. I have grown men weeping in my store at times, you know, and we, we go through different things, and I'm able like to walk with them through that. And they leave feeling a touch from the Lord. I believe I know it. I see the effect. And a lot of times what this does, it doesn't cloud my mind. It just shoves all the mess. It gets rid of all the adware. And it allows what's in here to come out in a way that I'm not shutting myself off, worried about what people are going to think. I'm not worried about what I sound like. Man, I just step out and I give voice to the spirit that's on the inside of me. And that's that's where I'm coming from with this. It's, it's not, I'm not sitting over here in a, days i mean i've i've as far as one hitter goes i've been using a one hitter and i've lit up about like eight times i'm with it you know i'm, I'm not sitting here counting sheep or or seeing stuff weird in corners i, I want to connect with people it doesn't make me want to isolate and when i'm down in depression and anxiety and in the deep dark melancholy that i've suffered from all my life this brings me out and it brings me into the light. It doesn't make me hide in the darkness. So that's that's it. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I kind of liked where William was going with that um, quite a bit, actually. And I just wanted to tell a kind of a quick story about when I when I did get into marijuana and started growing it. Um, there was that heart of like this needs to go to people who can help, not just receiving donations and just how to say just supplying my own um, financial needs. And I had this guy that I met, we had went, we were looking for things to kind of like do in the community to do good works. And we went to this event that this guy was putting on at this place called garage of blessings. This, this, this place was like, it's where people can take your donations like a thrift store and homeless people can come in or not even have to be homeless people that are down, down and out and need things like dressers, clothes, um, kitchen utensils, whatever. Like they could come and get these things. And this guy's vision was not everybody can make it here. Let's round up a van of people, bring out sack lunches and all this stuff and let them pick through what they can have. Now I say that to say this, this was the hugest pothead I had ever met at the time. This dude would blow through an ounce in a week easy. Um, and I would always kind of just like, wow, bro, don't you think you're doing a little too much here? But he had had an accident, was riding his bike to work one day in Florida and had got hit by a car and had terrible body pains um, ever since. And the weed would help him get out of whatever pain and misery he was in and be out on the street literally helping people. 
Now, here's the crazy part. Actually, it's not crazy just from, it's normal and unfortunately, but it should be crazy. Is he come under, came under scrutiny for everything he was doing by pastors. And it wasn't even about his weed smoke. They would only bring that up to kind of like, look at this guy and he's doing things that he's not under our covering, so to speak, doing. But to me, I saw Jesus. I saw the one that said, you know, when you've helped the least of these, you're doing to me. And like, in a sense, to judge him because he smokes weed. I mean, I honestly look back at that time. This was about 10 years ago in hindsight. And I fully believe that all these pastors that were like warning people to stay away from him were feeling guilty that they were not the ones on the street reaching out to the broken and the lost like Christ uh, wanted us to or wants us to. Judge about what you and William were saying, and and I, and I like what William said too about it. It doesn't cloud his mind. It really kind of opens things up. And I think that's the misconception about marijuana with a lot of folks is it, it just dumbs you down. And I don't think that's true. Now, there's times. Don't get me wrong. Back in the day when we were doing it all night long, and you get to a point where you're just blitzed, you know, and maybe it does dumb you down, and you're just kind of just spaced out we were having this conversation last night and she was talking about making some brownies that and she did she was just she had some kind of uh the oil that she was using to put with the brownies but she was using scoop for scoop like she would in like a regular vegetable oil or something that she was using to make brownies and they <laughs> they made these brownies and they ate her and it was i think it was a her and her son and I, won't, I'm, I hope she doesn't get mad at me for telling on her but they ate one brownie and they were like i don't really feel this anything so they ate another brownie and then they said, <laughs> she said for the next six hours, they didn't say another word and they watched, they binged on that show. Y'all remember the show Vikings? They watched Vikings for the rest of the night and didn't say another word to each other. So I think that you can overdo it and get to a point where you are just kind of just, you're not there, but if you're doing it recreationally, and it, but I think it, I think it, I don't think it clouds people like people think it does. I've had some very interesting conversations with folks when I'm completely sober and they're high, but they can hold a conversation and we're having, and we're having some deep conversations. You know, William talked about a while ago when he reached out to me that night, it was one of those nights where I was, and I'm a lot better now. So, but when I was having a really bad night about TJ's passing and, and just out of the blue, I got a message from William and it was one of the most beautiful messages I've got from anybody in regards to TJ. And it kind of really kind of pulled me out because I was alone. I was in a dark place. And then here comes William with this message out of the blue. And he says, he had, he had a feeling he needed to reach out to me and whether it was God or marijuana or whatever, I'm glad he did because he pulled me out. Anyway, Jim, you had something to say. Well, I just, you know, I, I definitely know that. Um, and I don't know if it's my ADHD, but I know that like, I definitely can't do things when I'm enjoying marijuana as efficiently, but they're a lot more fun. Like it makes my ADHD fun, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I sober up before, like, I'm going to, do paperwork or something. But like, if it's, if I'm playing cards on a Saturday night, you know, it's going to be a lot more fun. I might not win at cards as much, <laughs> but you know, that's my whole thing. And you know, the, the funny thing about it is it does affect everybody very differently. And there are so many different forms of it and so many different um, types of marijuana, you know, unfortunately they're called strains, which I know for people who aren't uh, familiar with marijuana, that might sound a little intimidating that they're called strains, but you know, Indica sativas, they all affect people differently. And um, I just want, you know, put that out there. It's like what you guys were saying too about like how uh, alcohol makes people anxious. 
Well, yeah, maybe maybe you should take a break from alcohol, and then sometimes maybe people should take a break from marijuana. I know that if I stop using marijuana for a couple of months and then I do it on a Saturday night, I tend to basically, especially if I've been really anxious that week, I tend to have an epiphany. Like I start, you know, because all of a sudden you get all wound up and all of a sudden your your head clears and you're like, oh, I'm stressing out way too much about this and things, you know, tend to clear out. But then, you know, if I, if I get in a situation where I'm doing it regularly, I might not have that. And I, you know, I, it's different for everybody, but I'm just, you know, basically putting that out there. Well, see, that's interesting too, because, and, you know, speaking of my brother, TJ, he, he tried to smoke marijuana. And I think I mentioned this in the episodes we did about him, but it, it that had, a, it had an effect on where it just made him too anxious. It, he didn't like it. It made him way too anxious. So his crutch was his, was alcohol, which ended up killing him. So I don't know. I mean, like you said, it, it affects people differently, but it did affect him in that way. And, but then maybe he just enjoyed alcohol more. I don't really know. I mean, he's not here to speak about it, but I just do remember that. And my mom talking about how it made him so anxious, so he quit doing it. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, um, it depends a little bit on on like the, the dose and the person too. Like as a medical patient, one of the things I learned is we have an endocannabinoid system in our body that makes uh, an analog to THC. When, when your body is healthy and it has all the omega acids and all the things that your body should have nutritionally, it, it makes its own cannabinoids to keep you healthy. The endocannabinoid system is the, the system that regulates all the other systems like your cardiovascular and circulatory and your nervous system. That's why it can fix so much is because it, it regulates everything. So as a medical patient, um, Sometimes I think it's it's a little bit cute to hear recreational users talk because like I my my baseline for a day is is to use a, a gram of of cannabis oil basically. And uh that's it's been my baseline for over a decade and and really it, it, it doesn't even get me high anymore. That's like because my my body wasn't healing properly with its own endocannabinoids and I needed to supplement which is when I started using cannabis. Um, it didn't have a baseline. So the one gram a day became my baseline. It only took like a week. And then after a week, you know, 14 days that didn't really get me high anymore, but it still did everything that my body needed. It still relieved anxiety. It still relieved pain. It still, you know, was an anti-inflammatory. It helped me sleep. So it's kind of crazy because like, I mean, I don't smoke at all anymore because if you can consume a gram a day of oil, like smoking is just, it just kind of makes you cough. It doesn't, it doesn't really, you don't feel it hardly at all. Um, so, I mean, there are, and so there are levels to it. And, uh, and honestly, as far as being sober minded, one of the things that THC does is it's, it promotes neurogenesis. So if, if we're talking about how it affects your mind, it actually helps you regrow brain cells, which is the antithesis of the opposite of what the government tells us that that it can do. So in the long run, even though it, it does, it'll make you a little goofy before it puts you to sleep. If you're not used to a particular dose, it's not, it's literally not doing any damage. In fact, it's, it's healing things while it's doing all that. So it's kind of like a bonus. That's interesting. So you're saying, you're, you're saying that it actually produces brain cells and does not destroy them like they want us to believe. I don't remember the exact uh, biological mechanics, but I, it somehow promoted the growth of new brain cells. Yeah. 
Interesting. I've never heard that before. We've always heard the opposite. Like you said, it's not what the government's telling us for sure. Anybody else want to touch on that? I want to uh, I want to talk about Genesis 129 real quick. And then before we end the show, I want each of y'all to go, like we talked about the modern day Pharisees, I want y'all to speak from your heart and tell them what you think about it. And how When you hear see people say you shouldn't be using marijuana because it alters your mind and it it's uh you're not sober on marijuana and all this stuff and this i want y'all to come from a christian perspective on that for people listening who might be on because i'm sure i'm going to get some messages about this and that's that's fine (laughs) i get messages about quite a few of them william touched on this a little bit in the beginning in genesis 129 it says and god said behold i've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit you shall have them for food Okay, and that was the ESV version that I just read. So what do y'all take from that when, y'all, when he says y'all shall use it for food? instead? You know what I'm saying? Like he's saying use it for food. Are we using marijuana for food when we're using it to uh, decrease our anxiety or to heal our pain? Or you know what I'm saying? Like we do, people talk, we talk about a, a healthy diet to help for health benefits. So in my mind, when he's saying use this for food, if you can use it for health benefits, that's the way I read that scripture. Scott, go ahead. Well, it's fully edible. <laughs> you can make it into brownies. Actually, I plan to make some, uh, what is it? Some kind of like Rice Krispie treats, but you use um, Lucky Charms instead and make that kind of infused with um, some coconut butter I have that's infused with uh, THC and actually a whole plant. I like to use whole plant myself, not just like take one thing out of it. So yeah, obviously everything that grows has some kind of benefit to us. Um, it's part of the gift. It's part of how nature, God created this whole ecosystem to work together. So to almost demonize it and say something that is, it's not of God in a sense is like, I guess you could say borderline blasphemy. (laughs) If it's his creation, like, and he's the one who put all this stuff together, you know, we don't have any evidence in scripture or in science that there's some other evil entity that's, that's planting things that are bad for us. We know things like can be poisonous, but, uh, but a lot of those things we use for medicine too. Um, it's just us figuring out how to use creation for our benefit. And that's part of the gift of God. And to touch on the religious aspect of, to speak to the Pharisees, so to speak, that's exactly what a Pharisee is. It's an accuser. You know, they go by the law of Moses, so to speak, to try to find wrong. And this, this verse has been standing out to me, um, that Jesus, um, in, in conversation with the Pharisees says, you, you persecuted John and he only ate locusts and honey. That's a highly disciplined life. And now you persecute the son of man for eating and drinking. So no matter if you're somebody who eats and drinks, or you're somebody who lives a very disciplined life, your Pharisee characters are judging them for one way or the other. And it doesn't matter what they do. It's just the fact that they're judgmental. And it also shows that they ignore the teachings of Christ when he calls us into a new covenant. And that new covenant comes from Jeremiah, where it's the Lord directing us what to do. So I can honestly say God brought marijuana into my life. And I've learned a heck of a lot just from that. Like I mentioned that, what else can I not trust the government for? That's when I started looking into 9-11. And I thought that that was just a terrorist attack. But there's more questions than we have answers for So he used it in a sense to open my mind so I could see him clearer. I'm trying to think of other things, but yeah, I mean, it's not like 
I can't say marijuana was the savior of all things. Not at all. And I'm, I don't I want to make sure like that's coming across clear, but God uses everything to, to help us learn and grow in this gift of life that he's given us. And for me, if I was like, and I have to admit, I, I've been a Pharisee in my life and I've pointed out to other people what I think they should be doing differently. But if I'm understanding the new covenant, that's God's job. And my job is to love and to serve. And I'm putting my I'm getting outside of um, what God has called me to if I'm telling people how to live their lives. I'm supposed to help, yes, but I'm not here to to be a king. We already have a king in Christ, like the flag says in the background. No king but Christ. Yeah, I'm, in your opinion, should people? You're, I think what I gather from what you just said as far as the Pharisees side of it, are you saying that they shouldn't be judging people for using a plant that God gave us? That's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Even if it's just to knock the edge off. I mean, I don't I don't think that's a fair judgment of anybody because I think everybody's and I don't even really want to use marijuana, use the term vice with marijuana. Maybe it is for some folks. I don't know. I'll say it this way as well. It's like it's them trying to deal with other people's sins because they don't want to deal with their own. I think everybody's got their own thing going that they they hold on to. And and, and I think it's unfair to judge people who is using a plant that was given to us. Honestly, I'm like super disciplined with it. I eat it uh, more than I smoke. And a lot of times I smoke like a, a very small amount. I'll get laughed at probably by saying how much I smoke at a night is 0.17 of a gram. That's how much I smoke a night. That's it. And like, I'll eat these gummies from time to time and it does enough. So my body feels better the next day at work. Like I'm a carpenter, um, I've got elbow and joint issues, and yes, I take glucosamine and some other things to help with that. But it really helps on the on the pain level. And when I was a heavier drinker to cover up the body pains, when I was in my 30s, like I'm pushing 50 now, um, the alcohol would only last, you know, that night, you know, kind of thing. It wouldn't, you know, make me feel better the next day. The CBD. And you woke up feeling like garbage, like you were dying. Very much so. Very much so. You know, and that's, I don't, I don't remember if it, I don't remember that ever being a problem with me. If I, I never woke up feeling like I was dying. If I got high the night before, even in my early twenties, if we, when we were partying, if I drank too much, I woke up feeling like I was dying. Now, if I do it these days, I really feel like I'm dying when I wake up because I'm not 22 years old anymore. <laughs> yep. Body can't handle that poison. Anyway, go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to add to the, the Bible verse, the Genesis verse about using it as food. Is that you know we're talking about you smoking it uh, and using you know using it like that, but really the plant, uh, especially in Genesis, uh, there was no designation between hemp and cannabis. It was all it was all the same plant back then. It, it was it's humans that have uh, taken taken the, the one plant that God gave us and and said, oh, this would be really good for fiber, and then we take we take that and we take those strains and we, you know, keep breeding them for fiber. And we think, Oh, this will make really good uh, fuel oil, or this will make really good protein, a protein source. So we take those plants and we breed them for, for seed production. And then, you know, uh, the, we found out in human history that part of the plant does, you know, get us high. It has a medicinal effect. So, you know, there's a whole line of human history where we took the plant and we bred it just to make the beautiful sparkly trichomes on the plant, you know, for that purpose. So, you know, uh, uh, in modern days, we forget about being able to use it for food, but really the plant, you know, when it grows out in nature, it's a, it's a plant that has male and females. So when it grows out in nature, there's both, there's no humans to get involved. And 
So the um, it gets pollinated. It produces seeds. And but on the seeds, even uh, a lot of people uh, talk about, well, if you if you're going to grow a plant for seeds, then it doesn't produce resin anymore and vice versa. But that's not really true. The plant still has a where the seed comes out. It's got a little green part that covers up the seed. And that green part is completely covered in trichomes. So if you were to just harvest all of those tri- all of those seeds out in nature for, from a wild population, you would have a food source that was quote unquote contaminated with the medicine, the trichomes from the, the, the outside of the plant. So, um, I mean, the, the whole plant really is a, a source of nutrition because I mean, if you need protein, if you're deficient in protein, you have to, you have to eat it and you have to consume protein. So if you're deficient in cannabinoids, I know modern science and modern medicine doesn't really teach us this, but if you're deficient in cannabinoids, Really, the only way to make up for it is to consume cannabinoids or to consume the foods like the omega fatty acids in the cannabis seed to produce more cannabinoids. And you can you can do both. You can supplement or you can take the seed and it helps you produce more of your own. So it's really I mean, it, Genesis knows what it's talking about, you know, when it says use it for food, because you get you kind of get every use of the plant if you take it literally like that. William, do you want to touch on Genesis one twenty nine or? Yeah, um, I started smoking, like I said, when I was in my early thirties, and it was actually about I say about four years ago. Um, I was sitting on my couch where we were living at the time, and I was really struggling with the idea of me ingesting cannabis and my relationship with God because I was I was dealing with what had been preached thus far. But I was looking at the evidence, I was looking at the history, I was seeing the cause and effect, how everything had played out, um, and then my own experience, how beneficial it had been to me. I was sitting on my couch, and I felt something say, and it, it, it laid it out in Genesis, you know, okay, what was created on the third day of creation? Answer, plants. You know, what was said after those plants were created? It is good, all right? So you have something that's created. You have something that's called good. We also have in scripture saying that he's the maker and nothing without him that was made was made. So he defines who made it, that it was good, and that no one else had a part in making what was made. So we can't say the devil did it. Um, we can't deny that he did it. It just didn't appear of its own. And that same voice asked me and told me, he said, you know, asked me those questions and then said, what right does man have to call something I created and call good evil? And what right does man have to call something I call evil good? And that let me know right there that man can say one thing and man can say another thing, but God is ultimately the the true north of, of what we should think about something. And I choose to go with that. And people in the church can say, well, you know, that's not God and you're lost. You're going to hell. Let me tell you something. I'll let you talk about my cannabis usage. When you start talking to some of your young preachers about downing Red Bull in the Sunday school rooms before they get up and go preach. All right. You want to, you want to play this game? We'll play this game. 
but I want something that's going to bring me peace of mind. I don't want something that's going to amp me up. And that's what this has done. I, I've struggled with fear and anxiety all my life, not being able to adjust to my life circumstances, having one thing hit me after another, being scared of men, being scared of authority, being scared of myself, not knowing how to express myself in a healthy way emotionally, you know, extreme emotional dysregulation. And man, yeah, I may cry like a baby when I'm on weed. And I, let, let me tell you something. I, I was having a real bad depressive episode two years ago. I had been smoking. I was laying in the recliner and I was just like, man, I was dealing. And my wife comes in and she was said, you need to listen to this song. And I wasn't even half paying attention to it. And it was that song, Another in the Fire. And man, part of my subconscious mind, even though I wasn't even focused on, it was playing the background. It latched onto that and it snatched my attention to that song. I said, what is that? And I broke down, cuddled on that chair, weeping like a baby as the Spirit of the Lord entered into that room and began to minister to me where I was hurting. Don't you dare tell me that this is of the devil. I know my father's voice and the Lord speaks to me when I'm able to cut out all the noise and I may not be acceptable in churches, but I don't care because the people God sends me to aren't even in church, okay? He sends people to me that are lost, broken, and hurting that aren't expecting to be ministered to, not expecting the Spirit of the Lord to touch them where they're at because they're not in a church. I don't look like a guy that goes to church, okay? I'm a, a big, hairy dude with tattoos. Some people are intimidated of me when they see me, man, but they God has given me a gift where people get around me and they just drop their guard and they drop their walls. And this is something that has allowed me to better hone that skill and be able to connect with people. So that's that's it. That's all I have to say. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, just a small little thing about, you know, eating the plants and, and uh, Genesis 129. You know, it's like I was telling you about how people grew plants on state land and they'd have to do things to make sure that the deer and the elk didn't eat them because they would, they would eat the marijuana plants that these people were trying to grow. Cause they know it's good. You know, the elk and the deer know what's good. But uh, when it comes to, you know, what William was talking about earlier too, about, you know, what goes in your mouth isn't as important as what comes out because that's what speaks from your heart uh, in reference to Matthew 15, 17 through 19, you know, that Jesus taught us that, you know, it's like, I know when I drank alcohol, I would say terrible things. It put my heart in a bad place. And I've never had that experience from marijuana specifically. You know, um, you know, I might I might be in a bad place, but it's not because of the marijuana. And um and then also, you know, when you talk about the Pharisees, um, you know, it's interesting because I know that it's uh Matthew twenty-four at the end when Jesus is talking about the faithful servant and he gives the example of the unfaithful servant who thinks that God's not watching. So he parties and gets drunk. You know, you talk about like sober mindedness, like, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, we, we shouldn't overdo it. We shouldn't let things get out of control. We shouldn't put um, our desire to party and feel good short term 
gratification ahead of our relationship with God. That that's obviously something that Jesus spoke against. Then again, he turned water to wine at the wedding because it isn't necessarily a bad thing to partake in wine, but you know, if you're if you're getting drunk and partying and putting that ahead of your work in the name of the Lord, that that's obviously a bad thing. But the thing that I definitely go to all the time and it's it's interesting because you're always talking about Romans 13, Craig. This this is Romans 14. That starts out with accept others, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. So, you know, you look at like, why do, why, why Jesus was Jewish? The Sabbath for Jesus was sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. And as Christians, most Christians look at the Sabbath as Sunday. And, you know, it goes to that passage, in Romans 14, and some of the things we've been talking about. It's not about specifically one day is more sacred than another, you know, just like, just like if you are the kind of person who decides as an act of faith, I'm not, I'm going to engage in asceticism. I'm not going to smoke marijuana. I'm not going to drink alcohol. I'm not going to eat meat, you know, and I'm going to, or I'm just only going to do things like that on one specific day of the week. That's your relationship with God. That's you. Um, working, that's you basically making the sacrifice that I'm going to take this time to, you know, specifically give it all to God or to um, discipline myself. You know, I, I know whenever I go to church, before they give the offering, they always say that you have to have the right spirit when you give. And it's the same thing when people um, are engaging in, in Lent, in asceticism, right? Like, if you aren't going to eat meat on Friday because you feel like your culture forces you to, and you're going to have a bad attitude about it, you might as well eat meat, right? And it's the same thing. You know, when, when we look at, you know, the, is there any place that Jesus says that you shouldn't smoke marijuana? No, <laughs> you know? So, you know, why do we think that marijuana is somehow worse? And it all comes back to some cultural perspective. One time, I think when you were talking to Larkin Rosen, you said the old time Christian perspective, the old church, you know, you, you said something about the 1950s, Craig. I said, I said, the old, when, I, when I mentioned old time religion, I'm talking about the first 400 years of the church. Not, you know, a lot of times you hear the, those songs, old time religion, they're talking about like the 1950s and 60s. When I mention old time religion, I'm talking about the first four centuries. I want to get back to that when it comes to the church. Yeah. And that's just it. So when, you know, I think sometimes people confuse that, especially with things like marijuana, they, 
this like this this dominant culture of the 1950s that has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus, and that that that's their you know that would be my answer to the the Pharisees is look at Romans 14. It's not about the culture of the 1950s. It's about your personal relationship with God. There you go, Aaron. What do you have to say? I was just gonna. Um point out i think it is in the in the book um hashish by robert connell clark um he kind of goes over the history of cannabis and, and hashish use in the world and uh it's not really relevant to the discussion about morality or or ethics or anything like that or or or, or medicine but i thought it was interesting when i read that book that um that he pointed out that at the time period when jesus was alive in israel one in three men somehow consumed cannabis. And I, I don't think they were really smoking it back then. So I don't know what that meant. If it, if it was, they were using it like, a, um, like an incense and inhaling it, or if it was, a, if they were putting it in food, but I just thought that was interesting that what, while Jesus was alive, that period in history, one in three Jewish men consumed cannabis somehow. Interesting. I was unaware of that. So do you, any of y'all have any final uh, comments before I shut this down? Or because we've gone about an hour and a half now. And then before we go, if y'all have anything you want to plug, then I'll let y'all do that as well. But any final thoughts on anything that y'all want to say to people about what we're talking about today? Because it's a conversation that we probably need to have again at some point, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the pushback that I might get for this episode. I don't think that I'm going to get a whole lot because there's a lot of the folks that um, that listen to this or whether they smoke marijuana or use it for medicine, however they do it. If they don't use it, a lot of folks really don't care if you are using it. You know, but there's some out there that are going to be new to the, the, the project and come across this episode that may have some uh, some more questions about it. If you all have any final thoughts, I'd appreciate that. I would uh remind people that you uh, did talk, Craig, to uh, Jared Wall a little bit in episode 85 about marijuana. So if they want to hear more about that on The Bad Roman, they should go back to that episode. And he mentioned the book, Smoke Signals. And I haven't got a chance to check that out, but it seems like it would be really interesting and it would really add to this conversation. Yeah, that was a great episode. And, and he did talk about he had his own business that he basically when he the banks were basically shutting him down because of what he was doing and, and which you know the banks are in cahoots with the government so and it's where it all comes back to anyways the government trying to make this the devil's lettuce when it's not it's god's plant and i think that's something everybody should remember when it comes to this is it's something god gave us now it's not saying we should abuse it or anything like that but if people are using it to for health wise or just to knock the edge off i just don't see the problem i just don't see it and, and, and I think that at some point, the stigma from behind marijuana has got to go away. And I think if the more states got to hate bringing up my old status mentality when it comes to the, the Constitution and stuff. But if more states just started following the 10th Amendment and ignoring federal laws, were, which are 100 percent unconstitutional, then it wouldn't matter what the federal government's saying about it. You know, if your states, you know, I live in Tennessee and they're pretty hell bent on not legalizing any of it, even for medical use, you know, it seems like. So they'll be probably one of the last states standing. But I think at some point, every state's going to be like, we're going to allow this. And then once that happens, and I, I don't know, I, I hate going back to that mentality, but it's the truth. You know, people need to start waking up and seeing like, tell the government to get bent. I mean, 
and just start doing this. If, if, if it makes you happy, do what makes you happy. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, just to kind of back that up a little bit, like no matter what you put into somebody's hands, they can use for good or bad. And I can even pick on, you know, the Christian religions. I'm not saying following Christ. I'm making a separation here. Is that a lot of people even use the Bible to hurt, scare, fear, and do that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a human, it's a human thing. We can weaponize anything as humans and use it against another person. Um, and I think that's the kind of the, the thing that we have to clue in, clue in on um, when we're talking about anything from marijuana to how you use a Bible verse. You know, are you using this to edify, you know, yourself or others? Um, are you making a positive impact? Um, or are you basically walking and thinking in like a, a negativity or a wrong spirit promoting things? Well, and one, one thing that I really wanted to get across with this episode is is the medical side of it and how it helps people heal. Yeah. Because that, that side is so important to me because it's being talked about more and more. And I, and I love the stuff that Aaron has been able to add to the conversation, the stuff he knows about and the situation that he had with his back, you know, and, and how he was able to get off of pharmaceutical pills by using what God gave us already. And you're not using a man-made pill to, to alleviate some pain. It's not even alleviating the pain. It's not fixing a problem. It's just making your body. It's, it's killing you. Yeah. You know, we were so we were talking about this last night too. Every other commercial we saw on TV was a ph pharmaceutical commercial. Mm -hmm. It was wild. We were sitting. We were watching just kind of back and forth during conversation, watching a movie, and in between the the one of the commercials, there was one one segment. There was like three pharmaceutical commercials before it got back to the movie. Yeah, and I think like all of us have stories of our own that how marijuana has helped and led us to healing. Like I can even say it for many many family members as well, religious or not. And I think the evidence is there. We just have to kind of keep opening our own eyes and hopefully open the eyes of the um, of the people that just want to demonize it. How about you, preacher William? You got any final thoughts, Reverend William? Reverend William, we're we're gonna start calling him Rev. <laughs> The Rev. God. The Rev. God. Man, <laughs> I, this has been an amazing conversation. I've, I was so, I, I was kind of nervous, but honestly, the last few days with just everything God has done in my life, um, it's been amazing. Um, we were able to get a new vehicle um, a couple of weeks ago, and then the other vehicle that we were using, it, it's it's gone. It's, it caught on fire. Uh, so, but God just worked it out to where we were able to, to get that new vehicle. My in-laws helped us out. They've been such a blessing. Uh, the amount of money they gave us for their, for the down payment on the vehicle, uh, they were getting some floor tiling done in their house. And the guy quoted him a price like, wait, that's kind of expensive. It was just for the kitchen. They got a second quote. The guy gave them a quote exactly to the amount of the amount they gave us for the down payment on the car. And it wasn't just for the kitchen. It was a quote for the entire house. And it's just like the favor of the Lord has been been on us. And it's been just a real quick, just upswelling. My wife was able to get a new job. She quit Walmart. Now she's working at an undisclosed location for a lot more money and more money to come. And it's just like where she's at, they are who they've been praying for. And so then I felt about my job. It's about time for me to leave. When it will be, be time for me to leave. And Monday, I will be putting in my two weeks notice. My regional manager came in. My daughter stays with me at work because we homeschool my daughter. I will not put my daughter in public school. That's just, that's just a me and God thing right there. It's my responsibility to teach and care for my kid. And uh, I hasn't had a problem in two years. And my daughter's been coming to work for two years. The, the Everybody at that store loves her. My manager on down. 
Okay. She's well behaved. And something was telling me about five days ago, okay, get ready. You're about to leave. And I had peace about it because I saw God just opening up doors everywhere else. And the pillar of cloud was moving and I was packing up and I was getting ready to go. So Friday, the regional manager comes in and as he's leaving, he told my manager, he said, she can't be here. I could have you fired for that. She came to me in tears. She said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I was like, sweetheart, it's okay. I'm putting in my two weeks right now. And she said, what? I said, it's all good. God's let me know that it's my time to go and I don't hold any animosity. This is an open door I've been praying for. And man, I was just able to hug her. Her husband was right there, right? He's a big old dude. And I looked at Derek and I said, hey, man, I said, do you mind if I hug your wife in front of you? I was just getting permission, man, just being respectful. Because this woman has given me a chance at my job, man, when I needed it. It was, I, I just, God gave me favor with this company. It's been a difficult job. I've got a chance to meet a lot of people. They're my family, but God's opening up the door for me to leave. And I'm leaving. I'm going to be, I'm going to be focused primarily on homeschooling my daughter. I'm going to be doing some coding uh, work. Uh, Paul Varkney has given me some insight on where to go for that. I'll be working on that. I'm also going to be starting doing training for coaching. Okay. Uh, I've been losing weight, doing carnivore. I want to come alongside people and help with that. But also, I just want to speak life into people's lives, people who have struggled with addictions and people who have struggled with just trauma, things like that. So I'll be able to do the coding certification plus the coaching. And also, I will be starting the podcast. This will open the door for me to do that as well. I've been putting it off. I've got an open door for that. And um, also working with a group dealing with porn addiction as well. So I've got a lot of things on my plate, and it's all coming together at once. And I'm excited. I'm excited for this for this podcast, the success that's going on. I bought a laptop from guy at Walmart today, man. I told him about the podcast. He's going to be checking it out. I've been texting my buddy saying, hey, that podcast episode I told you about, we're doing it now. It'll be out soon. They're excited, man. So I just thank you for the fellowship of the brothers that I have here. I know I don't know all of you. You know, you you see me acting goofy on Facebook. I'm a lot more than just memes and snide goofy comments. Okay. I think God is with us and, and God is waking us up to what we need to be focusing on and getting people alert to what's going on. And I just want to say thank you for sharing this time with me. I appreciate y'all. Love you. Yeah, man, for sure. And I want to, I want to say something about your weight loss journey. I want to congratulate you too. I've been watching you go through that and you, and you, you, it's been a huge success for you, man. I, and I, and I'm just really excited for you. That's, that's one thing that I've, I've been trying to preach to people, I guess you would say is, is getting your, your diet in line. Even though, you know, even if you're not hitting the gym two or three times a week or whatever, but if you get your, your diet in line, it changes a lot with your body. And it's, I just, I think it's awesome what's going on with you right now, William. It's, it's awesome to watch God work with you. And and it's, you know, as as, as much as as much joy as you feel for it, getting getting to watch it from on my end gives me just as much joy. It's really cool. I love you guys. Love you too, man. I love each and every one of y'all, and I appreciate. It. I got to meet Jim in uh, in Nashville when we had our meetup. And next time we do it, I hope more people can show up because we had a we had a good time. We got to meet a. We went down to Lower Broadway and met people. It's a it's a touristy you know, the destination where all the folks that come in to Nashville from out of town. So we met people from all over the country and 
I was wearing a bad Roman T-shirt. Darren was wearing a No King But Christ T-shirt. And it opened up some conversations, man. We got to – that's one thing I love about our apparel. When people see it, they, they kind of look at you out, you know, tilt their head a little bit. It's like, what is that all about? You know, we were we were at a bar listening to some music. And one of this girl looked at me, she goes, do you believe in God? And I looked down at my shirt and she goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? I was like, I am a Christian. She goes, me too. And then we got to talk about the, the, the podcast a little bit. That was awesome. It's funny how you can have conversations like that in a bar. <laughs> Some of my most favorite conversations about politics and religion have been sitting at a bar on a bar stool. I know that sounds crazy, but it's, I've had some really interesting conversations with folks. But it, it's one thing that I love about the group that, that that's involved with the Bad Roman is we're unashamed about our, our belief in no king but Christ. We're very bold in our no in our in our, our view of no king but Christ. There's no hesitancy, and I think that. The, the idea that we've had, we've started this project, you know, going, it's now three and a half years ago. The more it's grown, there's more people across the country and even across the world that are latching on to it. So they're having these conversations across the world about No King But Christ. And that gets me really excited. And it's not anything that I'm doing. It's just, it's just God using a stupid redneck from West Texas to get behind a microphone and, and spout off some stuff. And it makes sense to some people. And that's awesome. God can filter out my ignorance and <laughs> and make it sound the way it's supposed to. Also, I have a fantastic producer as well. Do y'all have anything you want to plug before I, before I cut this off? Or? Everybody should follow The Bad Roman on Twitter and Facebook. Go on to Facebook, see William's memes. Go on Twitter yeah. and give. Uh, it's the best place to give Craig a hard time for his beliefs. Talk smack to him on Twitter. For sure, yeah. I, I actually just recently took over the Twitter page. I had somebody else doing it, but he's just gotten so busy. But So I've I'm, I'm been taking over the Twitter thing. I'm, there you go. If you're mad at Craig, go on Twitter and tell him. <laughs> or you just email me. I get a lot of emails. Actually, I found a, a stash of emails that I didn't know existed. It's called forums. There's a forum section in our email. And I pulled it up one day to see what it was. I was like, oh, my goodness. These people messaged me months ago. And I haven't responded to them, but I've been in contact with everybody. I try to, I try to make it a point to to reach, you know, at least respond back to folks who to message us. It, it, sometimes it's it takes me a while because I get busy with this and work and stuff, but I will get back to you. Aaron, did you want to say anything else about like what people should do if they want to know more about the medical side? I mean, I, pretty much all I do on social media is educational type stuff, so. I mean, I can plug it if you don't mind. The, the probably the most, as far as as medical is concerned, um, would be a group on Facebook called the Endocannabinoid System. And uh, besides just a good collection of of scientific literature and and you know popular literature about the subject, um, I know there are at least a handful of the top um, scientists in the world that study cannabis and the endocannabinoid system are in the group. So. I mean, it's a pretty, a pretty solid resource to have. The other groups are um, that I'm in are educa- edu- educational, but I don't know that they are uh, necessarily um, just about medical. I mean, uh, I do have an Instagram account. I, I won't actually plug the Instagram account, but if I mean, I guess if, if people are interested, they can ask. And uh, I started it when I started growing, and it's basically uh, I just try to keep it like a, a day in the life of a of a medical cannabis grower. You know, it's, it's, I basically just kind of go through everything I have to do to grow my medicine. So, you know, sometimes in the year you see me growing plants and sometimes in the year you see me drying plants and making hash and things like that. So, um, it's a heavy ice RX and it was, it's a play on the, the, the pharmaceutical, uh, 
the little RX thing on pharmaceutical, but in my head, it stood for resin extraction is the RX. So it's heavy ice RX on Instagram. Um, and you'll see lots of cannabis plants and cats and things like that over there. Cats. I like cats. I'm a big fan. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to let y'all get out of here and then we'll, uh, we'll probably have to do this again, d- depending on the amount of uh, pushback Craig gets. The more pushback I get, the more I want to talk about things. And I like to do it behind this microphone. All right, guys, love y'all. And we will, we will do this again soon. Talk to y'all soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.